this day. Thank you for our lives. Thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as Mike is speaking. Lord, I pray that we would just focus and pay attention to him and that it wouldn't be his words but yours, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Excited to be with you guys here today. Uh, We are picking up right where we left off last week in the book of Daniel. Um, We went through the entire first chapter of Daniel last week, and today I've got a really hard task. Um, I'm going to try to get us through Daniel 2 and 3 today. Um, Now, I'm not going to put up a lot of verses today. I'm not going to read a lot of verses because um, some of these stories are very familiar to us, and some of them, um, it, it might be a little bit different than what you remember learning in um, school, but, uh, but let me ask you a question, kicking things off. Uh, so we started off with Daniel last week. We talked about how uh, virtually he was kidnapped, right? Um, he was taken hostage. He was taken to a new land. He was taken, and they said, hey, you can either do this or you can die. And he said, okay, cool. We'll, we're going to go with you, right? And most of us agreed that we would do the same thing. And so now he finds himself in this new land, and, and he, we're going to see today where he's finding himself um, in some just different situations that he's never been a part of. Now, how many of you guys in the room have dreams at night when you sleep? How many of you guys remember those dreams at night when you sleep? Have you ever had a dream where you've woken up and, like, you can only remember part of it, but, like, it makes you frustrated because of, like, that part? Look to your neighbor to your left or to your right and tell them about that really quick. All right? What do you remember? What don't you remember? Why are you frustrated about this? Perfect. Okay. I found this clip. I want to show you guys this clip. And then I want to ask a question, and I want you to be completely honest with me. Here's the clip. Check this out. If you're older in the room, you're going to like this. If you're younger, you still might like it. Sometimes my wife gets mad at me for behaving wrong in her dreams. That ain't fair. I had a horrible dream last night. You want to hear about it? No, I'm going to tell you anyway. (laughs) A grizzly bear was chasing me through the woods with his teeth. He was going to eat me. And you did nothing. (laughs) You just sat there and you didn't do a thing. What was I doing? You were playing poker with a rabbit. That's what you were doing. And that's the thing. You would do something like that. You would play poker with a rabbit while I was being eaten by a bear. Luckily, a giant unicorn came and saved me with his laser horn. That's how I got saved, not by you. I love that. I absolutely love that. Now, here's the question. Have you ever been mad at somebody for something they did to you in a dream and taken it out on them because they did something to you in a dream? Raise your hand if that's been you in the room. Okay. All right. The rest of you guys are liars, okay? <laughs> we've all had that issue in our life where, where we've had this dream and it felt so real, right? And you wake up and you're just like, that was a dream, right? And so today, where we find ourselves In Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the king over everything right now, this is the most hot place, the the most happening place in all the earth right now, Babylon is. And we find Nebuchadnezzar's there, and Nebuchadnezzar has woken up from this dream that he had. He's got issues, right? He's got issues, and he wants his dream to be solved. 
All right? Now, have you guys ever had a dream where maybe you didn't quite understand what the dream was about? And, like, you wondered about it when you woke up? Yeah, well, that was Nebuchadnezzar, right? And I've been there. I mean, most of the time I just consider my dreams just dreams, right? I don't consider them anything more than that. But, like, Nebuchadnezzar could not get this dream out of his head. And it says to us in Daniel chapter 2 that he was actually, he was troubled from this dream so much so that he couldn't sleep anymore. And so what he does is he calls in all the magicians, all the people who he thought he could count on, And he says, hey, I want you to tell me the meaning of this dream. Okay, so if I walked around right now with a pretend microphone and I asked you to give me a meaning for my dream, do you think you could do that? Yeah, no, possibly, potentially. Okay, okay, so let's think about this just for a second, okay? Nebuchadnezzar then adds in a little bit more to this, which makes this even more crazy. He says this. He says, okay, to his magicians, to his enchanters, to his sorcerers, and to his astrologers. This is what he says. I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Okay, cool, no problem. That's why they had this, these guys around. They were going to give them um, the answers. Okay, and the, the astrologers, they, they, they answered the king. Hey, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. Seems like a reasonable request. Don't you guys agree? Like, if you want me to tell you what your dream is, like, if you want to know what the meaning of it is, you just got to tell me what the dream is and then I'll tell you my best to figure it out. You guys agree? You guys think you could do that? You would try at least, right? Well, then the king says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to tell you my dream. You have to tell me what the dream was, and then you have to interpret it. I love this because here's what happens. This is it's so good. They, uh, they said, um, the king responds. Uh, they, they say, hey, no, 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 no. Um, let the king tell the servants his dream, and we will interpret it. The king answers, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is one penalty for you. You've conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping for the situation that will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will let you know if you can interpret it. Verse 10 of chapter 2. Listen to this. The astrologers answer the king. There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a different or difficult thing of a magician, enchanter, or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except for the gods, and they do not live among the humans. Okay, so let's rewind. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Nebuchadnezzar is upset about his dream. He didn't tell his people, hey, come in. And I want you to tell me what the dream is, and I want you to interpret it for me. They say, we can't do that. No one can do that. Only the gods, and the gods don't live here. So then these very next few verses are very important. Here's what happens. Nebuchadnezzar, he gets really angry, right? He's sitting on his throne. He gets even more mad at his people. He says, okay, cool. If you can't tell me this, you're all going to die. Literally, everyone who has anything to do with magic, any kind of sorcery, any of those types of things, astrologers, anyone who he's leaning onto who falls into anything he feels like is going to die. That's how mad he is. How would you feel if you were a part of that? 
How would you feel if you fell into this and you didn't even know what was happening? Well, that was Daniel, and that was his friends, right? We see this in the story. Like, Daniel wasn't invited to this first conversation. Daniel was just chilling at his house, right? We, we, we don't know what he was doing, but we know that he wasn't there. And then when we see this a little bit later, we see, um, this is great, verse 14. When Arioth, the commander of the king's guard, had gone to put the death of the wise men of Babylon, Babylon Daniel spoke to him with wisdom, wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for more time so that he might interpret the dream. Can you imagine how this conversation went down real quick? Remember, Daniel's not a part of this original thing, right? Daniel's chilling at his house. All of a sudden, he gets a knock. Uh, hey, Daniel. Oh, hey, hey, Arioch. How are we doing today? Good, 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 good. Uh, what's up? I'm here to kill you. Okay. What did I do? Well, um, the king had a bad dream and nobody told him what it meant. So, yeah, we got to kill you. What would you do if you were in this situation? <laughs> I can't even imagine. Like, um, dude, he had a bad dream. What? So Daniel, being as smart as he is, says, hey, let me go talk to the king. Let me see if I can just talk some wisdom into him. And let, me, let me just see what I can do here. So he goes to the king and he asks for a little bit more time. He says, give me a little bit more time. Let me hear the dream. Let me try to get the dream from my God so I can tell you what it is. The king says yes to that. And check this out. This is one of the most important verses of this chapter, and I want you guys to see it. Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 through 19. After he just got done talking to the king, here's what he does. Daniel returns to his house, and he explains the matter to his friend, Hanai, Michelle, and Azariah. These are the guys we talked about last week. These are the guys who didn't eat the king's food. These are the guys who um, were following. They were going against the culture of the Babylon way, right? They were going differently. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. During that night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Could you guys get that? It's right here. When Daniel came back to his house, this is the first thing he did. He got his buddies. He got his friends. He says, I need you guys to start praying with me right now. I need you guys to plead right now on my behalf, on God's behalf. God, please show Daniel the answer to what this dream was and what does this dream mean. This was crazy. No one had ever done this before. But Daniel knew that he had three guys who were you guys as back when it came to this. So now my question for you guys is, we start to dive into Daniel. We start to dive into what does it look like to be countercultural um, when you're taken in to, to be a part of a culture that maybe you're not supposed to be a part of. Who are your friends that you would go to right now if you were in this situation? Who were your friends right now who, if, if you were facing a life or death situation and you needed somebody to pray for you, who would you ask right now? Man, I hope you got somebody on your mind. And if you don't, we got to work at this. Like, this is legit, right? Like, like we see this in, like, like, I know right now, like, you're not dying, hopefully. But who do you have pouring into you? Who do you have lifting you up? 
Daniel had these three buddies. He knew when he left the king's palace, that's where he was going. He was going to talk to his boys. Man, I love this. You see, the next part happens, and Daniel gets the dream right. He comes back before the king, and he tells him everything. He says, you've got the gold head in this, and you've got this, um, this, this bronze body. You've got these feet that are intermingled. And he goes through, and he tells him everything about this um, dream that he had. He explains the dream, and then he gives him an interpretation. And this is what happens in verse 45. It says this, the great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made his ruler out of the entire made him ruler of the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all his wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as administrators over the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. You see, it's really important for us to understand what just happened so that when we move on to the next chapter, it's really important that we understand what happened in Daniel chapter 2 here. You see, the, the, the king had this dream of this statue. He didn't understand what was happening. When Daniel explained this statue to him, he told him, he said, hey, that king, that top up there, that head, the gold head, that represents you. It represents your kingdom and how God's allowed you to rise to the top. There's been no king like you before. There's no king after you like you. It's going to be an awesome thing. But there will be kingdoms that follow you. They won't be as great as you. But they're going to follow you. And they will overtake your kingdom. And so when Nebuchadnezzar heard this, you guys just saw what he said. He said, man, God gave you this interpretation. Your God must be the God of my top God, the revealer of mysteries. Therefore, I want you as my top dog. I want you as my top guy. Whenever I have a dream or anything like this, I want to come to you. So he appoints them to the top. But then Daniel does one more thing. He says, hey, don't forget about my boys. Don't forget about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? He brings them with him. And they get put up high, right? Administrators of the providence of Babylon. And that takes us to chapter number three. And I love this because, because this is such a just different thing because if we don't understand chapter number two, then we can't get into chapter number three because chapter number two is all about a dream of a statue. And guess what chapter number three is about? It's about a statue, okay? See, King Nebuchadnezzar hears this dream. He hears it interpreted to him. He says, surely your God is the God of mystery reveals. And even though Daniel has just told him the mystery of this dream, guess what he does? He builds a golden statue of himself. He builds this huge statue. And now it's time to see what these guys really believe. And now it's time, you guys have heard this story over and over again. It's time for these guys to really put their feet to the ground, to truly say what they believe, to act upon what it is that they've got to do. 
the king, he ignored what Daniel told him. He said, you know what? Like, I like the idea of having a statue. I like the idea of having a statue of myself. And so he builds it. And they issue a decree. The decree is this. When you hear the music, and that's any music, I don't know, maybe that's not working, so I can't do it. But any type of music, do-do-do, you will fall down and you will worship this statue. And if you don't do that, then guess what's going to happen? You guys know the story, right? You've been in Sunday school before. You've heard this before. You're going to be thrown into the fire and you're going to die. So, as we start to transition into chapter number three, I think there's something really important that we have to see here. In life, here's what I've learned. There's two things that we can choose to do. We can choose, choose to impress people or we can choose to influence them. We can't really choose to do both at once. Now let me break this down a little bit. When you want to impress someone, how do you impress them? Let's just take, for example, just for a second, maybe there's a person you like. And I'm not talking about like you like them. I'm saying you like like them. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say like like them? It means you've got more intentions than just saying hey to them. Like you'd like to say, hey, can I hold your hand? Hey, can, you know, like we be friends or something like that? Am I clear? You guys got me? Following with me? I'm a boys, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay. All right. I can remember I was in high school. I'm a senior in high school. There's this girl, and like, I was awkward. You know, when it comes to guys, girls, relationships, stuff like that, I was a little awkward. Let me just be honest from the get-go. I, I never had those pickup lines that everybody's got, you know, like, um, did you fall and scrape your knee or whatever? I don't even know. Like, I'm not good at these, right? Anyways, I go to this girl, and <laughs> literally I said, your hair smells like lemons. <laughs> literally, that's what I said to her. Somehow she liked it. She laughed at me, you know, like it, it started a conversation and it went well for me. But I was like trying to impress her, but I impressed her by saying her hair smelled like lemons. And I mean, maybe that's what she was going for. Like, I don't know if that's something that high school girls want their hair to smell like. Like, like Haley's smelling her hair right now. Does it smell like lemons? I, I, don't, I don't know, right? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe that's something you're going for. I, I don't know. But it worked. So when you're trying to impress someone, I want you to think about that just for a second. What do you do to impress someone that you like? Look to the person to your left or to your right and tell them. And if it is the person that you like, I don't know what to tell you to do, okay? Perfect. Okay, we're having fun. We're having fun. I like this. I got about 12 minutes and I got to wrap this whole thing up. Here we go. Like I said. Impressing people, it can be easy, right? When we want to impress somebody, like, like sometimes you just happen to fall into it, like your hair smells like lemons. Maybe you can try that this week, guys. I don't recommend it, but maybe, you know, it's one of those things. Here's what I've learned. Impressing people is easy. Impacting people is hard. Impacting people requires consistency day after day, and doing the same thing over and over and showing that you are what you say you are. You are who you say you are because you don't change. You don't waver. 
If you want to make an impact on people, it's going to take time. To impress someone, man, you can impress somebody when you first meet them. But if you want to make an impact, it takes a lot longer. And so today, what I want to do with our remaining time, I want you guys to see the impact that these guys' faith had on this culture out of Daniel chapter 3. Check this out. We're picking up, remember, giant statue. You're supposed to bow down before it when the music plays. All right, here we go. Verse number 8 of chapter 3. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone hears the sounds of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the harp, and the pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not worship should be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the providence. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So basically, just in that little part alone, here's what I hear. We got some snitches, all right? These guys told on them. They told all about them. Hey, they ain't listening to you, king. They don't care what you have to say. Verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the images of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Think about it for a second. We've all heard this story before. You've got a chance. This is your second chance. You've been summoned in front of the king, the most powerful man on the face of the earth at this time. He's got you. He's making eye contact with you. He's making eye contact with your friends. He's looking at you. He's giving you that stare. He's got rage in his face. That's like when this little thing right here pops up, you know what I'm saying? He's not happy. Hey, maybe you didn't hear it the first time. But if you don't bow down, you're going to die. What are you going to do in this situation? What are you going to do when the world tells you you have to accept something that they are telling you you have to take? Because they say it's right. Not because God says it's right. Are you going to say yes and surrender to what they're telling you? Are you going to say yes to whatever movement it is that the teens in your class are saying is the next best thing? Are you going to stand up for your faith and say, no, I'm not going to do that? There's no chance I'm going to bow down to that. Are you going to give in to the ways of this world where they say, you know what? Like, if you want to have sex before marriage, that's okay. If you want to go out and party some, that's okay. If you want to look at things online that you shouldn't be looking at, don't worry. Your parents will never find out. It's okay. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is bowing down. Culture says it's okay. The culture said it was good to bow down before the king's statue. 
Look, all you got to do is bow. If you bow, you don't die. This is a good thing. Living is a good thing, right? But what if God calls us to more? Up. What if God calls you to be against the culture? What if God calls you to stand up and show a different way to this culture? I think he does. And I see that right here. Verse 16 of chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Verse 18, one of my favorite absolute verses of this whole passage. It says this, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. This was huge. This was, this was so big. The king was already mad. The king was already upset. And these three guys... These guys who the king had put in power because Daniel said that it was cool for them to go into power, they feel like they can talk to the king like this? Mm-mm. No. The king wasn't playing. The king was upset. He was mad. No. I'm the king. What I say goes. You don't want to bow down? All right. Cool. Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of his strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the blazing furnace. This dude is upset. So these men wearing their robes, their trousers, their turbans, and other clothes, were bound up and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Think about this just for a second. Just for a second. You're thrown into this furnace. You're thrown into... This hottest thing ever, the people who threw you in there, they died. You're dying for your faith. You're dying because you're not willing to bow before what culture says is right. What about you? Just for a second. Let's take away the statue and let's plug in something else. What is it that you're tempted with the most that culture tells you is okay? What is it that you're tempted with the most that, 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 that you say, you know, like maybe I can just fuss just a little bit. I, I know that scripture says this, but we're in a different time now. Would you be willing to be thrown to, to stand to the furnace for that? Would you be willing to be thrown into a furnace to, to stand out against the culture? <laughs> Verse 24. Because these guys were willing to let their faith lead them in life, they weren't able just to impress the king. They were able to impact the king. 
they were able to make an impact in this entire civilization. Check this out. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The satraps, the perfects, the governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their body, nor was a hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. This was huge. Those guys died. These guys don't even have a mark. It doesn't even smell like fire. You guys ever been around a campfire? What do you smell like when you leave a campfire? A campfire? I'm just telling you, they didn't even smell like it. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel to rescue his servants. They trusted in him, and they defied the king's command, and they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into rubble for no other God can save this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Think about this just for a second. These guys, they, they had a choice to make. Culture told them the right thing to do is to bow down before that thing. You want to impress everybody around you? Do what everybody else is doing. You'll fit in. Everybody will accept you. Right? Everybody remembers when, when, when like, somebody stands out. Right? Like you're, you're seen as the outcast. For these guys, it was completely different. Nebuchadnezzar was trying to impress all of his subjects with this gold image he created. He was trying to impress all the surrounding nations. He was trying to let them know, I am the greatest king of all time. And in the end, <laughs> these three guys, their God, he showed up. And it made a big impact. So my question for you guys today is this. Do you want to make an impression or do you want to make an impact? Do you want your life just to be about impressing people? Do you want your life just to be about, oh, you know, Mike, he's a cool guy. I like him. You know, he just goes with the flow. He's a part of what everybody else is. Or do you want your life to make impacts? Do you want your life to point people to God? Like I told you at the beginning, impressing people is easy. All you have to do is look the way they want you to do or act the way they want you to act. But to impact people, that's a hard thing to do. You have to be consistent day after day. It's being, this, it's being the same whether someone is watching you or you're by yourself. Impact influences. Impressing, well, people forget it. So today... 
My challenge for you guys, the thing I want you to think about is this. What do you want your life to be about? If you really want it to be about how you chose to serve a God who loves you so much, then you're going to have to look at how you best make impacts in other people's lives. But you don't do it for them. You do it for you. Because you're willing to take a stand on what God says, like these guys were. Let's pray and we'll get out of here. God, today, Lord, I'm so thankful for your scripture. Lord, so much was covered during this time. God, I just pray that, Lord, your word sticks to these students' hearts. I pray that, God, these students are seeing, God, you call them to be different. God, you call them not to be of this culture, God. You call us to, Lord, stand out. You call us, God, to stand up for you. God, in the moments when the world tells us something is right that you say is not, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we will be just passionate about standing up for what you say. I pray that, Lord, you will just pierce our hearts with your truth, that, God, we will see past the world's lies, that, God, we will be people who are part of this culture, God, to stand up and to point this culture back to you. Lord, let us just take people with us to heaven. Let us just show people, Lord, the just love that you have for them. God, I love you. Thank you for what you're doing in this room. Lord, I pray that you'll just be with us as we go our separate ways. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, we're excited. We'll see you guys Wednesday night for Life Groups right here, 7 o'clock.